Welcome to another episode of the Blessed Forward Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray God speaks to you through today's message. Let's read the Bible together. Father, we come before you thanking you for this night, thanking you for this moment that you've given us, that we can come together, that we can step into your word together. God, I want to thank you for every single one of my friends who are on here in this moment. Father, thank you for their lives. Thank you for having them here. I ask that as we step into your word, that you would be the one directing us, that you would be the one guiding us, that you would be the one, Father, just leading this time from beginning to end. We thank you, Father, because we know that you are in control. God, and I come in unison with my brothers and sisters saying, Father, Father, that you are going to, you're going to cause salvation to happen tonight, Father. God, I come praying right now for the one that has been saying, Father, speak to me. I pray that today would be the message where they hear your voice, Father, loud and clear, speaking into their lives. Father, come and speak to us. We are ready to listen. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds, Father, to receive whatever it is that you have to say. Father, I ask that you would use my life to speak your word. Father, whatever it is that you have for us, God, may you speak to me and may you use me, Father, to deliver what you have to say. Let it not be my thoughts, my words, or any of that, God. I want it to be you from beginning to end. Father, we pray for your spirit to be with us right now in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen, guys. Thank you so much for praying with me. Um, I am believing that tonight is going to be special. Um, the last few weeks, if you guys have been with me, let me know if you've been on here um, for the last few Bible studies. But the last few weeks, uh, guys, we have been talking about Abraham, and that has just been um, incredible. It's been incredible to um, step into the Word together. And I'll tell you this, um, and for whoever's on, I feel like people are jumping on right now. If you're jumping on, welcome um, to the Bible study. I have a question before we jump in. If you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks, let me know if you have been here. If you've been joining on, I would love to know if you've been joining on the last few weeks. Um, if you have been here the last couple of weeks for our podcast, you know that we have been stepping into the story of Abraham. And I just want to say that during this time, this story that's seems uh, very common. I feel like with every week, God has just been peeling back new layers of, of his word. And it, it, as, as, as soon as I want to move on from the story, God begins to show something else and something new. And so if it's okay with you guys, I want to step in to this story one more week. And, you know, the crazy thing about this is the fact that this week, you know, most people are, you know, celebrating Easter and it's almost like this message couldn't come at a better time. Um, it wasn't planned by me. It wasn't a design that I had or something that I strategically planned out at all. This was completely God from beginning to end. And so guys, um, with that being said, as we talked about the last few weeks, the first week we really talked about Abraham's obedience. And I feel like obedience is a topic that all of us need some work on. All of us need some help on it, including me, you know, talking about the, the obedience of Abraham, the implications of what this moment was when God asked 
I, um, Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Then the second week we talked about how this, uh, moment wasn't just a, you know, this, this wasn't just a one-time scene, but Abraham has this history with God and God built Abraham slowly. And that's the key that I want us to get to right now, that God is the one that built Abraham piece by piece, year by year. And he made him into a man of faith. He made him into someone that was willing to obey God, no matter what happened, no matter what was going on, he was willing to throw himself in knowing that God was the one leading him. God was the one sustaining him. And last week we really stepped into this theme of how a history with God can sustain you. And I don't know um, what year you are in, in your relationship with God. I don't know if this is your first year. I don't know if you're a new believer. I don't know if you've been a believer for years, but no matter what your story is, we are building a story with God every single day. We are to build our relationship with God every single day. And as we see in the book of Genesis, that is exactly what Abraham did. He had a history with God. He had a relationship with God. So when this trial came, he was able to face it. When this test came, he was able to face it because he knew who God was. But as we look at this story, I want us to recognize something. When we read the Bible, there are, are, are a lot of implications for us. There's a lot of things that we can take in for our personal lives. But uh, this, what I'm about to tell you is something that I had to learn. And as soon as I learned it, it changed my life. It changed the way that I read the Bible. And because it changed the way that I read the Bible, it changed the way that I saw it. It changed the way that I saw God. It changed everything. And here's the truth. And if you guys, you know, whether you guys want to believe it or not, the truth is, is that the Bible isn't about us. The Bible is not about us. The Bible is not about me. The Bible is the story of God. The Bible is where we begin to unwrap and uncover who God is and how God works. We begin to know the character of God. And so many times we can look at these stories and see these men, you know, and, and women of the Bible as heroes. And they are people of, of faith. They are someone to see and see how God used them, what God did to them. But the main character here is not Abraham. The main character is God. And until we get to a place where we see the Bible as not about us, but about him, until then, are we going to be able to begin to understand what the Bible is actually saying, what the Bible is actually communicating? I know for me, for a long time, the Bible seemed difficult to understand. The Bible seemed at times growing up like uh, it's just a book that I pick up when I go to church. But the more and more I began to understand and by I began to understand, I want to say it this way, that God began to reveal and the Holy Spirit began to guide. 
I began to see this has little to nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. And if we want to know who we are as people, we need to know who he is because our identity is found in him. Our worth is found in him. All that we are is found in him. And that's why I was in complete awe when we were stepping into our Instagram live when we started saying that this really is about him, if we want to, you know, work out our lives and what is going on, it means that the focus needs to come out of us and the focus needs to be placed on him. The focus needs to be placed on God. And so as we read this story this week, I want you to know that the focus is God. The focus is God's story, that the focus is what God is going to do in us and through us. The focus is what is God doing through this? What is God showing through this? What can I learn about his character? What can I learn about who he is? And when we get to that point, we're going to see this story with so much richness. You see, if we look at the story, just what does this mean for me? It's very limited, the answers that you're going to come up with. And since the very first week when we started this series, the it's not even a series, since the very first week that we came to, to this, I started seeing, God, this has so much of you in this. This is all about you. And when you see that it's all about him, you begin to give him glory. You begin to give him honor. You begin to give him praise. You begin to worship him in a new way. You begin to be in awe in him and you begin to fall more and more in love with him because of his goodness, because of the way that he works, because he is so beyond this, because he is in all, because God sees more than we do. God is completely in control. And friends, for us, that is what gives us faith. That is what keeps us going, knowing that it's not us who holds it all together, but it's him who holds it all together, knowing that the glory is not for us, but the glory is for him, knowing and understanding that redemption is found in him and him alone. And so, Here's something else that I, I hope that you gain by these last three weeks that we have been doing. And that is to see that there is so much richness in the word of God. The word of God, God can use it to speak to us in so many different ways. That is why it's called the living word of God. It is active. It is living. It is for me, for you today. And the, what God chooses to reveal to us, he will lead us to that place. So in these last three weeks, we're going to read the story one more time. We're going to read the scripture one more time, because I believe it's a practice that we need to have that in you know, no matter what you read, how many times you read it, God will always show you something new in the word. For example, if you read Psalm 23, in Psalm 23, one of the most well-known Psalms, God can always show you something new in his word. God can always reveal something new in his word as well. So we're going to be reading in Genesis 22, verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. And once you're there, just say, I'm with you, Amy. Genesis 22, verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. Once you're there, just say, I'm with you, Amy. Genesis 22, verse 1. 
Genesis 22, verse 1. And once you're there, just say, I'm with you, Amy. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Jahira. Thank you, Gabriel. Gabriella. Awesome. Okay. So here we go. Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. And then they, they, and so they both went, sorry. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Listen to what that says. Verse eight, one more time says, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out of his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have now withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, listen, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I surely bless you. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of, of, of his enemies and your offspring shall all shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Amen. 
So as we read this story, there is one thing that clearly pops out. While we can see this story as the story of Abraham and Isaac, I believe that this story in a greater sense is a story of God and Jesus. You have a father and a son and the father takes his son to be sacrificed takes his one and only son to be sacrificed. Does this sound familiar? If you have your Bibles and you want to go with me, I'll know you, although you may know the verse, go with me to John 3.16. John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. Does that not sound familiar of how God spoke to Abraham in verse, in verse two? He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac. So you have this picture of how Abraham is going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And Isaac goes with Abraham and you see this obedience that there is from Isaac. You see this obedience that there is from Isaac. You see this love relationship. You see that this father loves his son and this father is taking his son. And you also step into this place as we talked about last week that Abraham walked for three days to this place that he was going to sacrifice his son. Three days he walked to this mount that he was going to sacrifice his son. And you see in verse, if you go down to verse six, it says, and Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. What other similarity do we see? As Abraham grabbed the wood, he gave the wood for the altar to his son, Isaac. And it says, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, so both, so they went both of them together. Both of them went together. He laid the wood on his son. What is this also showing us? The way that Jesus would carry the cross the way that Jesus would carry the cross to the hill where he would be crucified. Here for the first time in Genesis, we're seeing this almost foreshadowing or a prophetic moment of what is later going to happen, of what is later going to happen. When Jesus would carry the cross, when he would, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that he would have to take the price for our sins. And here you have Abraham laying the wood on his son, Isaac, the way that God said, and he sent his, he gave his one and only son 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his son for us. And here is this picture of Isaac. And here is this picture of Jesus. Both of them were loved by their father. Both of them offered themselves willingly. And how do we know that Isaac offered himself willingly? Well, look at verse six. So they went both of them together. Isaac was going willingly. Jesus went willingly. What did Jesus say? Let it not be my will, but may your will be done. Jesus went there willingly, willingly to be the sacrifice for our sins. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And listen to what Abraham says. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. Listen to that. God will provide for himself a lamb. And that is exactly what God did. John 1:29. it says, behold the lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. One more time, John 1 behold the lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. God provided for himself, for himself, the lamb for a burnt offering. He provided that for us. You step further when in verse nine, when they came to a place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, let me take you to something that we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about how Abraham knew the promises of God. How Abraham knew that God had promised that through his son Isaac, he will see generations, that he will see blessings. More than the sand on the sea, more than the stars in, in, in the sky. That is what God had promised Abraham. And here was God taking away what seemed to be the promise. But here's the key about what Abraham did. Abraham wasn't trusting the promise Abraham was trusting the promise keeper. He wasn't trusting the promise. He was trusting the promise keeper. He was holding on to the promise keeper. He was not holding on to the promise because he knew God is faithful to fulfill all that he says. And what is it that we usually do? We spend so much energy, so much time trying to hold on to the promise instead of trying to hold on to God, leaning on to God, depending on God. And we try to work out the promises on our own. But Abraham understood this promise without God is nothing. And he was willing to obey God to obey God to the very end of him sacrificing his son. Why is this important? As we talked about last week, to this point in Genesis, there is no type of resurrection. There is no talk about resurrection up until this point in Genesis, but 
The Bible tells us that Abraham believed that God could raise up his son. It says this in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It says he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Now, I want you to put two, two pieces together right now. Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac even from the dead. Up until this point, there are no, 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 no store, no, no, no evidence of resurrection. How long has Abraham been walking up to this hill? Three days, three days, three days. How long was Jesus in the tomb? How many days after? Did he rise up out of that place, out of death? Jesus resurrected on the third day. This is showing us, even prophetically, even here, on the third day where Isaac and we're going to keep going into this in verse 10. Listen to this. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have now withheld your son, your only son from me. Both of them were delivered. And by both of them, I mean Isaac and Jesus. Both of them were delivered from death on the third day. Both of them were delivered from death on the third day. Abraham was expecting a resurrection, believing God for a resurrection, counting God as able of raising his son up from the dead. And who rose up from the dead on the third day? And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Now, I'm going to tell you guys even something even more wild about this. This mountain that Abraham went to, this mountain that God was leading Abraham to, is the same mountain where Jesus was crucified. One more time. This mountain where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, Isaac, is the same, the same hill, the same hill where Jesus was crucified. I want you to see how this story is so much more than just Abraham. This story is the story of God. This story is the story of how God saves, about how God provides, about how God redeems, about how God restores, about how God can do all this. This is not about Abraham. This is about God. 
This is about God. This same hill is where Jesus was later crucified. And what Abraham says in verse eight, God will provide for himself the lamb. That is what what God did, he provided for, he provided a lamb for us. Listen to verse 14, verse 13. It says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind them, what behind him was a ram caught in, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Okay. In this moment, God provided a ram. God provided a sacrifice, a sacrifice for Abraham so he wouldn't have to sacrifice his son. But in the same way, God provided a sacrifice for us. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Isn't it incredible that Abraham didn't call the place, the place where I passed the test the place where I attained a promise, the place where I now have salvation. No, it says that place will be named. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide even how Abraham named that place. And can I just say this? The Lord never asked Abraham to call this place anything, but Abraham recognized that this wasn't about him, but this was all about God. This was about him. So he named that hill. The Lord will provide. And friends, listen, the Lord will provide. And I'm not talking about material things. God will provide that. The Bible says that the father knows what we need, but I mean, the Lord has provided the salvation for our lives. He has provided the perfect sacrifice for us. He has provided a way for us to now have access to us. And he provided this through his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus said it is finished, when he was crucified, he meant it is finished. God has provided the perfect lamb. And what does that mean for me and you? God has broken open a way for us to no longer be condemned because of our sins. But now he made Jesus, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He became sin for us. Do you see how this is so much greater than, than Abraham? This has everything to do with God. This shows us that from Genesis to Revelation, from page to page, verse through verse, God continues to be in control. God continues to be faithful. God continues to make a way. And the only reason why we are is because he is 
The only reason why we are is because he is. And so I'm just going to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up these similarities and then we're going to step into something. Uh, I want to wrap up the similarities between um, Isaac and Jesus. Both of them were loved by their father. Both of them offered themselves willingly. Both of them carried the wood up to the hill for their sacrifice. Both of them were sacrificed on the same hill. Um, both of them were delivered from death on the third day. This is not accidental. This is intentional. And I learned something last week that I, I you know, it, it, it's not in the Bible and you can take this for how you want to take it. Um, but knowing the way that God works, I wouldn't be surprised if this is true, but it is said tradition holds it. Tradition holds it. That this same hill where Abraham was taking his son to be sacrificed, this same hill where Jesus was crucified is also the same hill where God created Adam. It's not, like I said, it's not in the Bible. This is the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. But tradition holds it that this is true. That that is where God made Adam. And you know what? When I heard it, I wouldn't be surprised. Because God is very intentional in all that he does. Friends, God is intentional in all that he does. God knew that he would provide the lamb that would pay the price for our sins. You see, these sacrifices of these animals were never going to be in enough. We're never going to be enough to cover our sins. But Jesus, Jesus, he was the perfect sacrifice because Jesus died for us. He says, I, and let's go to it together. Hebrews 8, 12, Hebrews 8, 12. Let's go to it together. Hebrews 8, 12. It says this, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. This is why it is the perfect sacrifice because he will remember our sins no more. Jesus paid the price for us. Hebrews 10 verse 3, listen to this. It says, but in these sacrifices, listen, in these sacrifices, meaning the animal sacrifices, right? Like the ram and Abraham, like goat, whatever, goats, lamb, whatever it was. It says, but in these sacrifice, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will. He has provided. <laughs> he has provided the lamb. He says, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written in the scroll of the book. And when, when he said above, you neither 
You have neither desired or taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sacrificed. and we have been sanctified. Sorry, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Friends, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. Listen to verse 17. Then he adds, I will remember their sin. I will, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. When you come to Jesus, when you believe in what he has done, when you believe in this perfect sacrifice, he remembers your sins no more. You are no longer seen as a sinner, but as a son and daughter of God. All sin is removed. Lawless deeds are removed. It doesn't matter who you've been, what you've done, where you come from. I want you to know that his blood is greater than any sin. His love is greater than any sin. And I need to also recognize this, that it was our sins that put him on that cross. In order to have a savior, we need to recognize our sin. In order to have a savior, we need to recognize our sin. And I want us to go to this now. Go with me to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And all of this, as we talk about Jesus being our Savior, we have to recognize our sin. And this is something that we don't like to talk about all that often. But Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Listen to this. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Listen to that. Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I want us to just take in this verse for a little bit. This is who Either you were or you are. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Friends, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I was dead 
in my sins. Friends, me right here, I was a sinner that was saved by a savior. I was on my way to hell until Jesus rescued me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This isn't about I'm I'm, I'm mainly a good person. For the most part, I'm a good person. No, the Bible tells us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us are stained. All of us have this issue called sin and sin is what has broken us away from God, has made this barrier and distanced us away from God because God is holy, 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 and God has nothing to do with sin. And this is why we needed a savior. This is why we needed someone to cover us. This isn't about me. This isn't about my good works. This isn't about how many times I pray. This isn't about how many times I read the Bible. This isn't about any of those things. None of my good works were ever enough to save me. Jesus Christ paid the price for my sins. I was dead in my trespasses and sins in which I was walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air that I was at work with the And it says, among which we all lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. Listen to that. We were by nature children of wrath. I was by nature a child of wrath. That is who I was. This was my identity. I was a sinner. But listen to verse four. All of this sounds doom and gloom. All of this sounds bad. All of this sounds like there's no way to get out of this. And I love what my friend David here is saying right now. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. Let's not take this lightly. Let's not talk Talk about this lightly. This is what it is. The wages of sin is death. But then you have this incredible moment in verse four. That as you have this doom and gloom, as you have this heavy moment, this as you have reality hit you. And listen to me, for you to truly see Jesus, this reality has to hit you. You can't have a savior if you don't know what you are being rescued from. Listen to verse four. These two words, these two words right here, for me, these two words are the gospel. But God, but God, (laughs) but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God right now. I don't know what it's been like, but I need you to know this right here, this moment right here, it is a but 
God moment. You don't have to keep living in the regrets of your past. You don't have to keep living in your sin because this is the truth. The wages of sin is death and Jesus has paid the price for your sins so you wouldn't have to. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever may believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What has God intention for you? Everlasting life and he has done this through the offering of his son and he did this for whoever would believe in him this is a but God moment but God stepped into your story but God stepped onto the scene but God stepped in and took you out of that place that you have been in that sin that you have been in that addiction that has you tangled up he took away all of those things and he made a way where there was no way why because he is rich in mercy this is all all about God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. It says, by grace, you have been saved. Listen to this and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This was a work that only God can do. We could not have ever done this. He did this. He did this and raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. Listen, this is not of our own doing. This is nothing that I could have ever done. This is nothing that you could have ever done. This is of his own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is what God has done for us. He made a way. He provided the sacrifice in his son, Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. The way that Abraham said, God will provide. Friends, I want you to know God has provided and he provided his son and his name is Jesus. You have been looking for a way. His name is Jesus. You have been looking for the truth. His name is Jesus. You have been looking for life. His name is Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life. This is about Jesus. This is all about him. And he has invited us into this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. But God stepped into Gabriella's story. But God stepped into Frank's story. But God stepped into Rachel's story. But God stepped into Carlo's story. This is a but God moment. He who has ears, let him hear and listen to this word. God is telling you today, I sent my one and only son to die for you on that cross. He has done it already. It is finished. It 
is finished. God has provided. And there's only one thing left to ask. Now that we know that He has provided, I want you to know that He's knocking on the door of your heart and He's asking you to let Him in so He can come in and dine with you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. And today is the day of salvation. So I want to end with this. If you today hear this message, maybe you've been trying to do this on your own and today you're recognizing that God is knocking on the door of your heart and you want to let Him in. You want to invite Him into your heart if that is you and you want today to ask God for forgiveness and have salvation come to your life. If that's you, I want you to type in me. Type in me. Because I would love to pray for you today. If that is you, type in me. Because I would love to pray for you today. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever may believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is what God has intention for you. He gave His one and only Son for you. For you. And as the me's come in, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you came that you died for me and that you rose again. So I ask that you forgive me of all my sins, that you wash me clean and make me new. I want a relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name and we say, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, first of all, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. I want you to know you made the best decision you could have ever made. God has certainly made a way. God has certainly provided. And now we are to praise Him for His grace. We are to praise Him for His mercy. We are to praise Him for His goodness. Amen. Thank you so much for reading the Bible with me today. I pray God spoke to you through today's message. If you would like to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Amy Lynette. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord's face shine upon you.